movements aren't started, they're uncovered. So I think something's being uncovered here, but this becomes a place now where righteousness, where truth, where love through media do this. Mm -hmm. Life show today we have a special guest with us darren tyler from conduit church darren is the pastor at conduit but also has an extensive history in music uh darren welcome to the show thanks for having me man i feel like i'm actually in a studio right now oh sweet well thank you that, that was the goal like a musician must have put this together like <laughs> yeah understands totally totally yeah somebody all who the wants... guitars are shoved in the yeah. closet in the back yeah, you don't want to look anywhere that stuff there are doors like it'll just fall out yeah it's just a true musician right there i mean living here 27 years uh most musicians have a room like this yeah but it is it's, it's all for guitars and stuff yeah it's cool yeah. to see uh, like a it's used for studio. used yeah. for stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Alicia, you had some yes, questions I do. you wanted I would like to do. To try out a new segment. I, I think this would be a fun thing to do for future interviews. Um, so Darren, I thought you'd be a good guinea pig to, to yeah, try yeah. it's easy. It's easy. I would like to ask you four four silly questions to break the ice. Not that any ice breaking is needed, but then one serious question. So you can prepare for that. I don't want to like just drop it on you. Got it. And it's not like, you know. Right. Where would you hide the bodies if you okay. were an axe murderer? Yeah. And, but you never know that could yeah. creep right. in there. Yeah. That's something for, you know, next, next That's time. That's like episode two, <laughs> interview two. Yeah. Okay. We can just do speed round. It doesn't have to be, you know, paragraphs. Um, number one, in an awkward silence, do you tend to want to fill the space or be quiet? Um, I, I want to fill the space, but I've been alive long enough that the silence is sometimes when the good stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to uh, resist the urge to be yes. Yes. And, and stop and see what someone else yes. says. Okay. Great answer. Uh, who is your favorite actor besides Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Billy Baldwin. Of course. Yeah. Billy Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I should say Stephen Baldwin because yeah. he, we toured with him. Did you really? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a believer, right? Uh -huh. yeah, yes. yeah. 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 And you know, even he was like, Oh my gosh. Anybody ever tell you you look like my brother? <laughs> and this was like 15 years ago, yeah. 16 years ago. Yeah. And it really is. And by the way, in like 1991, that was a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And now yeah. you're like, oh, I mean, no. it's looking rough. So I'm like, man, I guess I'm looking pretty rough. Yeah. yeah. But it's universal. So I hear that. Yeah. It yeah. From Morocco to like Montana, I hear it. So I would yeah. like to know if anyone has ever gone up to him and said, I need to tell you, you really look like my friend Darren Tyler. Uh, you know, it would be hilarious is if, uh, A, if that happened and B, if he even knew who it was, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. He'd be like, oh yeah, yeah. I listened to his sermons online. <laughs> a true he needs story, to worry. <laughs> my wife, uh, who might be immortal, um, <laughs> is ageless, but she, when we were young, looked exactly like Kim Basinger. Like, oh really? Wow. Oh yeah. Easy how much. Cause Alec was married to Kim so it was back a, in the yeah, day. Yeah. It was kind of a, again, that was a compliment back then yeah. for, for me and. <laughs> it's still a compliment. I've actually haven't seen Kim Basinger in years. Yeah. So maybe it's not a compliment. I think she retired, maybe. But she probably should have. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was true. We, we only figured that out later when a couple of like our wedding pictures. Or something. Yeah. She looks like Kim Basinger. Yeah. Dang. Uh, okay. 
Question three. Um, we already know that you have a history in music and, um, and you're very talented in you, you had businesses, you're a good speaker. Um, do you have any lesser known or secret talents that not many people know? I can give you the almost within, almost within a 10%, the amount of miles between two American cities. Oh, that's um, from years of touring, I bet. Yeah. It's completely wow. useless other than touring. <laughs> but in the, in the olden days, in the yeah. late 1900s, yeah. before Google Maps. You had to know these you things. You had to know these things. Because <laughs> you go over 450 miles with a bus, it's called yeah. an overdrive, which is an extra $200. If you've got 10 buses on a tour. Oh, yeah. You're, you know, racking thousands of dollars in. So I had to. And back then, it, I swear I'm not making this up. We had like a, we had a ruler. And we could, and we would like between Chicago and, and Minneapolis, <laughs> which is 350 miles. Um, and, and that was our, we, we have to kind of know. Get out the compass and like yeah. point to point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a completely useless yeah. Yeah. talent. No, I think that. If the world ends, that one will come in great. handy though. I know if, how far it is. If we lose Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> I know how far it is to Area 51. Yeah. Hey, there you go. There you go. Well, when, when it all hits the fan, is that where we go or is that, do we get away from We go away from that, right. Yeah. yeah. Run away yes. from Area 51. Yeah. 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 Okay. You don't want to be yeah. there. Um, last silly question. If you were a dog, what breed would you be? Okay. What breed would I want to be or what breed? Feel free to answer both. Yeah. I think I would answer like both. to know I want to know both. Because if, uh, I would say, uh, the analytical side of me would be, um, like some sort of like a schnauzery. Cause I can be a little snippy and a little crunchy. <laughs> um, no, those are hyper though. Right. Yeah, they're kind of snobby is what was made me think of that like oh withdrawn and okay uh, but okay. i would love to be a lab like i would want to be just the one that you know party lab that jumps in the water yeah, or, yeah. you know it gets your stuff for you yeah yeah like they're just always happy yeah that's yeah. the one i would want to be that's interesting because i don't know you maybe you feel like a schnauzer you present like a retriever so yeah, we should what, get what does that mean exactly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe in your, like where you're comfortable, you're not adapting to oh. a, to a scenario. Maybe you are more schnauzer esque. I think it's the introverted part of me that is making me think that uh, on the schnauzer, but I might be getting my breeds wrong. I'm trying to think of an introverted dog. Yeah. They're not like offensive, Ooh. but like not a chihuahua. That's it seems sure. like a great no. opportunity to say, if you know what breed Darren's talking to, please put it in the comments. Yeah. Put, put that and in the also, comments while you're at it. Please like, and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> like, and subscribe. Oh, so things that, I said I would schna- never say. Unless they're schnauzer lovers. And I've just insulted schnauzers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A different show yeah. after this. You don't okay. see too many people walking those these days though. No, no, no. no. They're horrible dogs. Yeah. yeah. Why would you want that? Sorry, schnauzer lovers are probably yeah. great dogs. Maybe we just lost all the subscribers. Maybe someone created a schnauzer doodle. Yeah. Like every other form. <laughs> what else can we breed a poodle with? <laughs> a cat. A Clydesdale doodle. Yeah. Clydesdale doodle. <laughs> it's just a horse with long curly hair and tons of energy. Uh, yeah. Okay, shifting gears onto our serious question. I only have one for you. What do you think is one of the most unrealistic expectations people have on their pastor? Oh, wow. I can only do one. Well, if you want to keep people go bonus round, probably just. (laughs) Oh, actually. So I can say this. um, And that is to be an expert on everything. Mm. Oh, yeah. The, The thing that I wasn't really prepared for. Um, 
because the the, the at the speed at which information moves right now, the uh, social media whatever that that tends to control the narrative in a country, mm-hmm. and so you know after an entire week of you know turns out we only we actually work more than one day a week like yeah not just we don't work yeah one day a week but you know then on Sunday whatever happens to be the big brewing controversy on social media, you're supposed to have something thoughtful yeah. about <laughs> it. And in, in, in a weird way, it's kind of like the role, um, this is going to be a stretch, but like the, like the president of the United States, like the way that that was originally imagined and the way it is now is completely different. Totally different. Right? Yeah. And I think that that's the, um, the unrealistic expectation is that uh, Ephesians 4 talks about the five-fold ministry gifts that are for the church right for the maturing in the, of the saints and but uh, the the pressure for the pastor is to be all of that to be the prophetic to be the teacher right to be the apostle to be yep. to, to know about all these things uh by sunday yeah yeah and you know fortunately i'm a little i'm an information like vacuum mm-hmm. so i'd love to uh learn but there's just certain things that i, I the best answer is i don't know yeah um, and I would say that, that I saw that on a lot of my pastor friends, that it was really uh, unfair. Some of the expectations, especially in the very beginning stages of pandemic and things, it was unfair to expect them to have figured this stuff out. Yeah. Some of the mistakes that yeah. we made, whatever, early on, I've got an enormous amount of empathy. You know, I don't, you know, we were staying up like reading European epidemiologists till two or three in the morning, but. But for the most part, you don't want your pastor doing that. Like, yeah, it's not what. That's a lot of time. One takes a lot of time. So that way, yeah, I think that's a, in one. I don't know if it's a sentence, but the, the, the being an expert on on everything uh, is. I mean, it's, it's not realistic. Yeah. Um, at all. Yeah. And, and turns out, even inside the pastor world, you know, just like in the medical community, there are experts, and you know, uh, internal medicine, there are experts in oncology, and you know. And that's, uh, we were talking before we started about Michael Easley. He's a, one of the most brilliant Bible teachers alive. He's a brilliant man, an expert on all kinds of things in scriptures, you know. Um, but maybe he's not an expert on, you know, physics or what sure. Elon Musk is doing with uh, his latest, you know, inventions. Like, it's it's okay that he doesn't know that. Right, yeah. How would you, uh, w- would you say that you hit a point, because I, I feel like I'm kind of that way where I'm, I, just suck in knowledge and learning. And I've always been that way, jack of all trades, but I found myself more recently going, I'm hitting like the the wall on some of those. Like I can't absorb it all. Like, it sounds like you're, you're basically saying similar things to that, but yeah. have you found that that as, as not just like, as you get older, but as you realize, Oh, there's, there's so much stuff. It's like, I can't possibly take all that in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, it started with, okay, why is it that I want to know all this stuff? Like, what is it that drives me to, you know, be, be reading five books at the same time? Yeah. Um, and, and the realization for me was that some of that is, I have this notion that, uh, that information is safety mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. So I just keep learning, but then realizing that uh, what I'm really doing sometimes is avoiding reality as opposed to learning reality. Yes. That was a fairly big aha moment for me to know that Yeah, uh, at some point uh, this, inf- I'm literally like, it's like cotton candy at that point. Like I'm consuming it, but it's not 
doing anything. Yeah. It's just yeah. evaporating from what I'm yeah. done. And so I, I'd love to tell you that I have it perfected, but uh, I have like at some point, especially if it's a specific thing I'm trying to learn, limit, like I'll put a timer. So this is a great example uh, mm-hmm. for this Sunday. We're talking about the John five, the, uh, the, the pool at Bethesda. Yeah. And I've, I remember cause I was there that this was a pagan pool and it's the, the God Askelion that was the medical doctor or medical God of the Greek gods. So, so it wasn't even a Jewish thing may or may not have even been real. Like as far as like, it may or may not have healed anybody. Yeah. But I'm, so I'm like, Oh God, this Gilead, what is this? And, I, and then I realized that this guy is the, the God whose sign uh, is a serpent on a pole. Um, and that's the symbol that we use in our modern yeah. or medical yeah. and that yes. the original Hippocratic yeah. oath actually used yeah. to the God Eskelion. And an hour and a half later, <laughs> I'm utterly fascinated and nowhere near finishing my sermon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I've got to stop. Yeah. This. Uh, and there were, there were, there were some nuggets in there that are great that'll, that will be in the sermon, but I had to, I had to call it, you know, at some yeah. point like, okay, he's, he's gone. He'll just call yeah. it. He's this, this part's done. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta land this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate. It's easy to think that I can learn my way out of any problem. And some, some problems are not a lack of knowledge or even understanding. It's a lack of application or a lack of usefulness of the knowledge that you've acquired. You know, Alicia will always tease me about just being a sponge and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure why I'm actually reading this thing or why I'm fascinated, but, but it is, it just pulls me in. It's fascinating. I think there's two, there's a a benefit or a pro and a con, I guess the pro would be, you just are naturally made to be, um, to, to research and just the way that the Lord made you. And that's a really good thing when it comes to needing to know things about things. skill for Bible yes. teaching, but I also <laughs> knowing, think just knowing like, all the surrounding you know, we, facts, we take a God thing and make it a, a good thing and make it a God and, thing. Yeah, exactly. But when like God gave you this ability, um, and this desire to learn, but then also I think in the past you've tended to, I would say not so much in the last six months, but in the past you've tended to like hide behind knowledge and escape fear, yeah. escape emotion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's and easy it's to easier do easier to have an opinion about something than, than to feel something about yeah. it. So, yeah, that is for yeah. sure. Yeah. I wish, uh, that I would have known that 26 years ago, which is the age of my oldest daughter. Oh man. Um, because I realized at some point that my kids and my wife knew what I thought about everything and didn't know how I felt about anything. Mm-hmm. And what I know about something is not knowing me. Mm-hmm. And it was like this huge moment of like, oh, so first of all, feelings are not what was wrong with me, right? Like I'm, I'm medicating sadness or anger or whatever. Um, but I was never going to have a deep and meaningful relationship with my kids, you know, based on ancient Egyptian history. You know, we, right. we've had great conversations and we, you know, we watch documentaries, but learning that, that the, it actually avoided uh, even sometimes like when I'm scrolling, mm-hmm. like when I'm reading like, like doom scrolling in the news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do that or not. A scroll hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. I, and I'll do it on like news sites. So I'm just like doom scrolling and, and even the realization, Oh, what I am right now is lonely. And my wife is literally across the room. What if yeah. I just put this phone down and just go sit and talk? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a realization, honestly, in the last two years, even for us. Yeah. Um, and it's been great for, so that's the thing that you're right. The, the, the need to know the gift of knowing that, you know, that's God given. 
And Satan, as he is so good at, tries to wound us right in the gift so mm-hmm. that what we were meant to be, mm-hmm. our strength becomes the weakness for us. Mm-hmm. Because what better place to wound you than in the place where God wants to steer you through? Yes. That is so true. I have felt that this last month. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, well, I would love for you to give our listeners slash watchers a little background on, we, we said that you had a music background, but now that you're a pastor, so I'm, there's a gap there and I'm sure people are wondering what's your history and what brought you to be the pastor of Conduit Church? Yeah. I'm still wondering uh, last <laughs> question. My yeah. Friend, Cause yeah. it's really, um, like I didn't set out to be a, a pastor uh, at all. Like it was uh, not even anywhere on my radar. But in 1990-ish, I was playing music. I was I was uh, was living in Tulsa. Eventually, wanted to move to Nashville, uh, leading worship at like Baptist Super Summer camps. And mm-hmm. sometimes I went to Bible college. Sometimes I didn't. And basically, barely, barely graduated. But in the middle of all that, um, God just. Uh, so I was. I would say this. I was. Uh, I was engaged to be married. Couldn't believe she said yes. Was like, this is amazing. But I didn't have a plan. Like my plan was, I hope something neat happens. Like if I were to like put mm-hmm. it on paper, I hope something neat happens. Cause I don't really have a plan. Like if my kids ever bring home someone like me to marry them, I'm going to have <laughs> a heart attack. But the thing was, is something neat happened. And it was, I was, I was hosting a little radio show. Uh, I was making no money. And a guy named Al Denson, I don't know if you even know who that is. You're not even old enough. Hmm. Um, in the late eighties, early nineties, he was a solid C minus level artist <laughs> in the music industry, Yeah, which isn't saying much for that era. I <laughs> hope he never comes across this podcast yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, the irony is that I've, uh, he's actually incredibly wealthy right now, but not from music. So, <laughs> right. so God did something special for him too. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. yeah. So he did something real neat. Um, but he, so I was supposed to interview him at the show in Tulsa. Well, he stands me up. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, my little manual recorder, you know, trying to, what am I going to do now? Well, there was this opening band called East to West. It was this little pop duo uh, that, um, and not East West. You're thinking of the two. Yeah. 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 This was way before that. This was like a pop duo. And, uh, and so I, I just gave them the whole hour and they were hilarious. And I ended up, they, their sound guy, uh, for a show the next day, something. So I literally on a whim just went with them to Joplin, Missouri and ran sound for them. <laughs> Ends up because of that, I, I meet their booking agent and their manager, this guy named Chuck Tilly, who, uh, ends up hiring me to become a booking agent. I'd never booked a show in my life. Like they, they gave me a legal pad, uh, a phone, I think. I don't think we even had a fax machine at that point. And I was just booking shows at that point. And the first band that I was handed was a band called Jars of Clay. Oh, That speaks to Stu's heart. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. His favorite Is it really? of all yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. One of my faves. Yeah. Probably biggest inspiration. At least the first album. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the yeah. first album. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to tell you that I was the genius that discovered them, but I was the, the fool that was the only one that, because no one else wanted them. Huh. Like I was the new guy in the office and they gave me this band that nobody wanted. That's too funny. Isn't it hilarious? Yeah. When a band, think about it. It was two acoustic guitars. Yeah. Um, 
keyboard player and a vocalist. They didn't have a drummer or a bass player. Oh yeah. 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 When they toured, but those were hired guns. I mean, actually yeah. one of those guys is a cop. Uh, Scott is now a policeman for Franklin, their hired drummer. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was 94. And it, I look like a genius uh, because this band exploded. And then um, at the same time, uh, so of course, by that point, my, my boss and other people in the office are starting to you know, take a little interest in what's going on with this band. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was in it, uh, we were in Atlanta at that time. I, th I think I skipped something. We were in Atlanta. Uh, there was a band called Dakota Motor Company. I've heard of like, them. Yeah. 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 The guy was like a VJ on MTV and, uh, anyway, nutty Pete, I can't remember his last name, Pete something. He was Jack Johnson's best friend. Remember Jack Johnson? Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know. Making banana pig. That one. Yeah, there you go. So a lot of times you'll see like Jack Johnson interviews, whatever, in the background is Pete. He was like yeah. a guy from Dakota Motor Company. Hmm. <clears throat> That's irrelevant. The band that was opening for them was a band called Third Day. Yes. Oh. Which I do have a funny a story. I have a funny story about Third Day because I just went into 1819 Coffee and talked to Zach, who is the manager of 1819 now. And he's from Sisters Coffee Company, which is where we came from in Sisters, oh, Oregon. Well, just outside of just where out, we lived. Yeah, oh. just outside of where we lived. Yeah. So he said the day before, he said he, he was looking out the window as he's making a latte and he sees this guy and he's like, oh my gosh, it's Mac Powell. I, that's Mac Powell. I, yeah. Creeping well, on him. Just wait. <laughs> so the guy comes in, he's with his buddy oh, no. and, and he's like, dude, were you creeping on me out there in the, in the parking lot? And Zach's like, no man, I just, I really thought, I, I know you're not him, but I, I really thought you looked like this famous Christian artist, Mac Powell. And, <laughs> and the buddy of the guy starts cracking up and he's like, dude, this is Walker Hayes. <laughs> One of the most famous country music artists currently. Yeah. See, like yeah. Applebee's. Yeah. 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 He just won awards. Yeah. 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 And all I could think about is how I was really sad that my coffee date the day before had gotten canceled. Then I wasn't at yeah. 1819 when Walker Hayes <laughs> was there. Would you have been able to do the uh, the dance? Do you know the dance? Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was the first dance our family ever learned how to do. The first and only, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably enough. Like, yeah. Yes. I, would I was terrible it, at it. Though. I would never, like, actually do, like, yeah, especially that would be. There's no space right here. No, I would do it in front 50, of anyone except bucks, for yeah. 50 bucks right now. What's the jumping off point for you? Oh, 75 bucks. No, bucks? I would do it for anyone except Walker Hayes or a member I'm of his Walker family. Hayes. Like what would that be? Oh, shoot. <laughs> What's I your would... dignity worth is what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, shoot. I can, can I think about it? I'm well, well, we're in silly questions. Aim high. $10,000. No, I would probably do it for 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm <laughs> I would probably, I, would probably find it endearing and yeah. charming. Our yeah. family prays for their family that we're, yeah, the Lord's, the Lord has his hand on them and they're doing really good things. So yeah. I don't know him personally at all, but tons of my friends do. And there's, they are Nashville reputations are, they will precede you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People around and generally speaking, a reputation here is actually one that's, that's earned. Mm. Um, and his is great. Like yeah. Everybody yeah. talks good behind his back. Yeah. yeah. And good. I didn't think he looked like Mac Powell. So now I'm like, thinking, I didn't yeah, either. It's the beard, now though. I do kind of see it when he yeah. grows a beard yeah. and yeah. And well, it, he, cause he's grown in a beard, like kind of heavy beard, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think apologize for getting no, us off. That's totally off track. So you ran into third day. Well, they were opening <laughs> and I, I, and they were fantastic. And so I, I basically, um, I met Mac and the guys. And so I, started like, I don't know if it was the next day, but really quick after that. Um, cause what happened with jars, they blew up and we didn't have any dates left. Sorry. They're booked. I'm sorry. They're booked. I'm sorry. It was literally my whole day. Um, and 
So I just said, instead, I'm sorry, they're booked, but there's this new band and they're going to be awesome. They're going to be huge. I have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, but I, and back then we had to mail uh, yeah. press kits. Yeah. They're called to put them little envelopes and the tape would go in it and you'd mail it out. And, and anyway, we started, I started booking third day. Uh, and then that blew up. Uh, and so suddenly, uh, the, you know, I don't know how your kids, like my first kid was like when she slept through the night, she was a good traveler or something. I mean, what is everybody complaining about? This is easy. This parenting thing. Yeah. Oh. And then you have another one. You're like, Oh, oh. ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Given birth to a pterodactyl. Like she, yeah. she <laughs> yeah. had an opinion. So anyway, I thought it was so easy uh, at first. Um, and then, uh, and then I realized it wasn't, they ended up going to a creative artist agency, which was our competition. Uh-huh. And that was when I realized, Oh, I'm, I'm the farm team. Um, and so at first it kind of hurt my feelings. I'm 25 years old. I'm brand new married. And, yeah. uh, but then I ended up at, uh, ultimately I ended up at a company called William Morris agency, which is, uh, my mom thought they made cigarettes. She was like, <laughs> don't they make cigarettes? I'm like, oh, that's Philip Morris mom. William Morris is like the <laughs> oldest talent agency in the world. Um, and so I did that for, uh, it was through 2000. I was an agent and then I had a little mini Jerry Maguire moment and ended up starting my own management company, which was sometime around then that I met our mutual friend, Brad Duncan, because uh -huh. he was playing guitar for Rebecca St. James. St. James. I just said it like her. St. James. Rebecca St. James. <laughs> and so that's where I first met Brad. And I literally was managing bands out of a bonus room in my house uh, and signed. At the, at the time, I thought... Um, so, so as the, as the nineties rolled on, a lot of my artists were, um, making there, some of them were being kind of naughty. Mm -hmm. So we ended up, we were canceling tours because of poor decision-making and, and not all of them by any stretch. But then I mean, I was realizing, well, that's, I mean, they're, of course they're going to make these bad decisions you know, they were yesterday. Nobody knows who they are today. They're famous. Mm -hmm. They're not in any church because they're on the road for 300 days a year. They're not, there's no community around them. There's no, so I, in my mind, it was the system and that we were, I was complicit in that. And, uh, kind of one of the things that sort of broke for me was a, a young girl named Nikki Leonti, who was on Pamplin music, who was 16 years old. We had her out on tour with, uh, we jokingly called it Methuselah Palooza. It was Russ Taff, uh, For Him, <laughs> Wayne Watson. It was a great tour. Uh, all the old guys. Actually, I don't know that we called it to their face. So, <laughs> yeah. you see yeah. Sorry, Marty. We'll bleep um, that out. We did. We told, we said that when you were around. Uh, but she, uh, 16 years old, nobody's out there with her. She's with, with her boyfriend. So she gets pregnant, you know, and she's all over the radio. She's. And radio does what they do. They pulled her song. All the bookstores are pulling her records off the shelves. She's 16 years old. Yeah. Um, and so for, for me, that was like, okay, uh, this, uh, th th there's a lot of great people in the music business that are still doing amazing things. I just felt like what I needed to do was to start over uh, and, but to build a place out where we had community with our artists, where we weren't, um, there was just, there was a stop gap in it. I don't know how else mm -hmm. to say it. Uh, like a missing piece that wasn't being met in the yeah. process of managing them. Yeah. Because in the music, Christian music world, especially it's the only genre of music that is defined not by the style of the music, but by the lyrical content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's by your message. So you, that's yeah. why hip hop worship, whatever, there's no Christian rap station, Christian country station. There's just Christian. Yeah. yeah. And so it covers a lot. Yeah. And 
you know, you're asking a lot of, I mean, I don't have, like when I was 21, I was an idiot. Yeah. I didn't make hardly any good decisions. I mean, you know, your frontal lobe isn't even fully formed. You know? <laughs> yeah. Look back, what yeah. were you thinking? I wasn't thinking. But we just gave them a, a microphone and a million records. And so, of course, they're going to make bad decisions. Mm. And so, yeah, we, I started, we called it platform management. And I did that for better part of 10 years, 2010. And we signed, uh, actually, a Northwest band, uh, Cutlass. Yeah. 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 From Portland. Yeah. Actually, they're from, well, kind of, it was Albany, Oregon and Medford, Oregon. Medford. Yeah. That's where yeah. Applegate is. And that's where John Micah is from. That's right. Because yeah. you guys were with Lauren. Yeah. yeah. We have the connection there. Yeah. 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 I remember when Cutlass came out, I think I was, I think I was in like my second semester of Bible college. Yeah. Just yeah. don't tell me you were in grades. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Not that young. I wish. Man, dang it. I'm at that age now where some of the first round of band. Yeah. They're like, oh, I was like, yeah, I was born. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I just remember them coming out and being like, dang, this is pretty good. Yeah. They, these guys sound really good. And, and I, I was in Bible college. So everything you heard most of the time was worship music. And then oh, yeah. to hear this, like, it was yeah. Calvary Chapel. Yeah. It was Calvary yeah. Chapel. Yeah. It was yeah. like Maranatha. Well, yeah, yeah. I, there was a ton of stuff, like a ton of music out of Costa Mesa and stuff like worship music, like modern worship music, but still, uh, you know, that's all you, you hear. You don't leave the bubble. The one of them? You remember that band? They, they were there like, like yeah, AR previously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Occasionally, um, they would show up his, uh, their sister went to Bible college with yeah. me. Yeah. Was she, like she could sing, man. She could sing. Yeah. They were French, uh, French Canadian, French Canadian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Isabel. Isabel, right? Yeah. Huh. She, so she could you, sing like, uh, what's her face? Jessica uh, Battistelli? No, no. I, I don't know why I said yeah. that. I literally <laughs> just shoot the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just like to say her name, Francesca right. Battistelli. Yeah. I actually can't say it very well. Ever. <laughs> Did you, uh, so that would have been 2002? 2001 was the first semester. Yeah, 2002, 2003. So was it the very first record that you heard then when that came out? Was yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was even like their... EP maybe or something like, I, I feel like it wasn't a full album, but yeah. Interesting. I don't know how I got it. I, uh, it's a funny story with them because in those days, tooth and nail wasn't like a desirable, if you wanted to make a living, maybe I'll put it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were the king of labels. If yeah. you wanted to sell 10,000 records and be in a van and trailer. Yeah. That's where Tyson Paoletti. You know Tyson? Was. Yeah. yeah. He was my, he was yeah. a youth leader when I was in high oh, school. Yeah. 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 At our yeah. church. Yeah. All these connections. Isn't yes, that crazy? So yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tell this story. I Stu is going to hate that. I'm going to tell no. this story. <laughs> yes. When Stu was in Bible college, he heard Jeremy camps first, like little EP, whatever. His actual EP. Yeah. It was his, like good. the first original. Like no one songs. heard it yet. And Stu said, this is really good. And he gave it to a buddy who gave it to Tyson, who signed Jeremy camp. Yeah. So, so I get the, Stu yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, I practically <laughs> discovered him. He wouldn't have been anything without me. <laughs> really funny. So, so this was pre Jeremy camp. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you could even name a tooth and nail band. Like they had like 90 pound wuss was the literally the name of yeah. band on tooth and nail. Yeah. Wow. Like uh, MXPX was considered cool. Yeah. But I wanted to make a living. Like I had children that wanted to eat, you know, every day yeah. Yeah. and you know, 10,000 records, you just, you know, we just couldn't do it. So anyway, I, I get a call from Brandon Ebel. Uh, he's like, hey, buddy, uh, Brandon. And he's like, I got this band. And I don't, I don't know. What it, it feels like it's some Nashville touch to it. He talks like literally a mile a minute. He's super fast talker. And from Portland as well, but uh -huh. actually his dad is a pastor of a massive Presbyterian church, Rolling Hills or something like that. It's a massive Presbyterian yeah. church. Okay. Um, 
And so anyway, I took a meeting with them at GMA week, uh, gospel music week, which is mm -hmm. awards. And so I'm sitting down in front of this band. That's like, um, and all they want to talk about was we, we want to be on MTV. We want to, uh, I had a vision of us. We're standing on a stage in front of thousands of people, which I've never had an artist that ever did have a vision. I'm like, yeah. right. the first artist that ever would have said, I had a vision to be playing in front of 10 people. Like I would sign them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never heard that. yeah. That's original. You know, but I remember saying to them, like, you guys are at a Christian, you're at a Christian conference here with a Christian record label, pitching you to Christian radio. You're meeting with a Christian manager and agent. You're in the wrong city, man. You need to get in your van and drive to LA and go be, if that's what you want to be, go do that. You know? Uh, and, and so I left the meeting and, and didn't think any whole lot of it. And, and then I heard the, the record cause I hadn't heard it yet. I was just doing a favor for, and I was like, well, dad gum, maybe. So again, I'm walking in and all I'm thinking of is this, I, I'm with tooth and nail and I'm going to have to do a lot of work because they sign a hundred bands and hope that they all sell 5,000 records each, you know? Yeah. And so, but I heard the record and it was like, there might be something here. I mean, it was 100% a Creed knockoff, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just okay. more, I, I don't even think the guys knew that. They were so sheltered that oh. I don't think they knew it. <laughs> but there's one that I was like, actually, even I was like, well, that's... Yeah. Wow. This, like A, B, it with a Creed song. Get like, us in trouble. Yeah. Like, oh, guys, did you not know? But the point was, we ended up, we had a conversation after that. And uh, and I ended up signing him. And I'm, But, I, but I, what I remember thinking was... I have just put the entire financial well-being of my family and my future into the hands of Tooth and Nail Record and a bunch of 19-year-olds from Albany, Oregon. <laughs> uh, and so it, it was just a God moment because I didn't, I don't know, it, it was the door that opened at the time. It felt like the record was good. I knew we had a lot of work ahead of us. And the good news was, is they were willing to do the work. I mean, John Micah, Lauren's mm -hmm. friend, um, was an athlete and it, uh, he didn't, he had 0% quit in him. Yeah. He'd just keep going and going. Yeah. No quit at all. We called him a uh, jock rock. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, he'd be running around in umbros, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, but, um, but the, their work ethic is one of the, I, I've, to me, their, their musical talent is fine, but, uh, and good, but their work ethic, John Micah uh, and James, especially their work ethic was unparalleled as mm -hmm. far as their willingness to, to grind the tour. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I did that for 10 years. Um, wow. Up until 2010. How, how did that, you did that for 10 years. How did now, now you're a pastor. How, yeah. Where did that happen? Yeah, that was nuts. Um, somewhere around 2003, uh, I started leading a Bible study here in Nashville because at that point, um, for the most part, and by the way, Cutlass was a very notable exception to this. Most of the artists we were signing out of the nineties, this is what I began to, I think oh, there might be, this might be the problem is they've grown up in a church that has more of a seeker sensitive uh, flair to it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, philosophical, I mean, I'm not the Holy spirit. So, you know, I, I retired my Holy spirit junior job. I'm, <laughs> I'm retired from that. Pay's not good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they're growing up without really ever being in the word. So, you know, they didn't know, I had artists that didn't know the difference between Noah and Jonah mm. Joe, but like yeah. he just didn't know. They didn't know the gospel. You know, have somebody like Greg Laurie. I, mean, I really want him to bring the gospel. And yeah, you do not. You want them to sing because they don't know the gospel. Yeah. And so that was part of me going, um, the, the generation before the Stephen Curtis and Michael, Amy, uh, the, the Mac, they grew up in an environment where they did know 
that have had some yeah. kind of foundation in them. For the they still part. seem to be like following the Lord to this day. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's that generation that's in between where they, they grew up with really great uh, culturally relevant sermons and moving lights and yeah. fog and nothing. Just no Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just Jesus wasn't there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started a Bible study and in the middle of all that, um, it was a bunch of little bass players and Starbucks baristas and, and I wasn't like, I wasn't on staff anywhere. Like it was just the, the way that uh, we, my wife and I were at a church, but I, this was just something I just felt. And, and I mean, I, I would love to tell you that I was a great teacher. All I did was, this is where I was studying this week. And so I would do Acts chapter one. And this is what, you know, this is what this means. And yeah. I do Acts chapter two. And before long, it had grown to like a hundred people on Tuesday nights. And in the middle of all that, and this is where I think God really was working. Cause when you go through the word, the word goes through you mm-hmm. and then it just changes you. And I met a guy named Gerald Lafleur, who was from Haiti, who is still a dear friend to this day. Uh, and I met him through uh, Philip Peters, who was still is by the way, Toby Max day to day manager. Uh, back then he was like, you know, uh, pick up my coffee and my uh, dry cleaning, you know, for <laughs> Toby. Um, Cause that was, I mean, Philip was his first job out of college, but I met him through Philip. Uh, so I, but then I'm, I'm hearing Gerald's story of thinking, well, golly, we probably should help these folks, you know? And, you know, the Bible says it's in Matthew where, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so as I began to help Gerald, my heart started following where we were putting our money and at the same time, asking my friends at the Bible study if they could help. And so we did. And we started sending uh, money to help him. And then I'm thinking, I probably better go down there and make sure he's doing what he's saying he's doing with all this money. And back then it was like, I don't know, low thousands. It wasn't like it was hundreds. But but in Haiti, it's an enormous amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he was in exactly what he said, which is a huge miracle. Because in the global mission, especially trust is the only currency. And so he turned out to be somebody that I could trust and continue to trust. But that little Bible study kept um, not growing numerically, but growing Im- impact wise. Mm-hmm. So we started a, a, a nonprofit because uh, people were giving enough to like, they probably want a tax write off for it. So I'd love yeah. to tell you, we were thoughtful, <laughs> but I just wanted to give them a tax write off. And so uh, I'm literally like, we're getting ready to fill out the paperwork and what are we going to call this thing? And we didn't have any other name. Because that's what, what, was, what we are. We're a conduit. So that's why we called it Conduit Mission. And we did that. And as that was growing uh, along the way, the mission was growing so much that I was finding myself like in West Africa in a hammock and a rock band expecting me to be their manager. And they were so gracious. I literally never had any complaints from any of them. But I did know that I couldn't do both. And a pastor friend of mine at that time, uh, we were talking, uh, and he kept telling me along the way, you know, during this little Bible study, uh, this is a church and you're a pastor. And the reason you can't figure out what you're supposed to call it, is mm-hmm. it a church or is it a Bible study or is it a mission is because it's a church. The one thing you won't call it is the one thing that it is. And that's why you can't figure out what it is. That was a three year journey from the first conversation to signing the paperwork to sell my company mm-hmm. in 2010. Uh, I remember floating it by my wife like the first, second time Jamie had said, I think you're a pastor. And I told my wife, 
you know what Jamie said? He said, yeah, you're a pastor and this is a church. And she laughed and laughed. <laughs> you don't even like people. How could you be a pastor? <laughs> oh man, that hurts. Yeah. But what she was saying was that, you know, I've been working all day with people. I get home. I didn't want to go be around yeah. people anymore. Yeah. So that's the side that's that exhausting. she knew of me before. So she's thinking, how could you be a pastor? Uh, and it was a legitimate question, but, oh, uh, and that's, that's the, I have the very long readers digest without, but it's, it was, a, it was just a God after God after God moment of confirmation that this is what we're supposed to do. Cause it was stupid to start a church in Nashville mm-hmm. is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like it's, I've done some dumb things. There's no shortages of churches, you know, here. <laughs> Everywhere. Like, what am I going to say yeah. that they couldn't get across the street, you know? Yeah. And so that was a big part of the journey was, I mean, I'm not even like a false humility. This, I could whiteboard it out for you. Like <laughs> that this was not a good idea. And turns out there was a God idea. Yeah. Yep. We talked about that a little bit ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've been having discussions, Alicia and I lately about when people look at the things you're doing and they might go, what are you doing? That's clearly not the Lord. Like for, for us moving here was it, it appears by all outward, you know, visibility that this was a crazy thing. Why would you move here? You didn't move here for a job. You, and you can feel it in the conversations you have with people. Yeah. You can tell who's really supportive and who they say, well, a lot, they well. say, well, you know, well, and you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Just like, and you can't really call them out on it, you know, cause yeah. they don't believe it themselves, but they really, yeah. they really yeah. lived that. And you can tell, and it's challenging cause it, it's come yeah. from some of the closest people to us. You know, I, I don't want to say it's like a rubric to follow per se, but as people are more and more people are going, Oh yeah, that's impossible. You can't do that. That that's definitely not the Lord simply because it seems outrageous. I almost want to say it's probably the Lord just, you know, go walk, see what happens. And yeah. the worst thing that can happen is you fail. Yeah. But we, we keep saying I, w- I would much rather fail in faith than succeed in my flesh, you know, by keeping 100, 100 you know, going a hundred miles in my flesh. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, that's, I remember sitting down with my kids, um, this was a giant parenting error because my oldest daughter would have been probably 12 at the time of the church starting. But so I took her out to Starbucks. I was going to make it special, you know? And, um, and then I, but I was like, she thinks we're going to move away. So I have a little like okay, abort, 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 you know, cause these big crocodile tears, you know, like as um, you're leading into the story, she's yeah. thinking you're going to tell her that you're moving. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was like, okay, so we had to leave Starbucks so we could talk in the, <laughs> in the car, but, but, um, but I, but I, read to them Hebrews 11, which was um, the, the hall of faith, right? This one conquered nations, this one took over cities and this one, you know, this Abraham and Moses. And then it, there's not even a break in the sentence. And it says, and this one was killed by the lions and this one was killed by the sword. Yeah. Both of those were in Hebrews 11. Both of those were commended for their faith. And so I just didn't know which one we were. Yeah. Are we the ones that were going to conquer the city or are we going to get eaten by the lions? Mm-hmm. But both were okay. And well, you said fa- failing in faith is yeah. it, it turns out it's not failing. If, yeah. if you were sawn in half sideways, that might at the time feel like a failure, right? Yeah. But it's not. And for the first four years, five years, I actually thought we were the, the second half of the chapter. So I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. And then, it turned out, uh, I don't know if it was 
there's probably a lot of insecurity in me that, you know, I didn't want to get my hopes up or I don't know, something probably from that. Yeah. But the thing that it did give me was since, uh, since I wasn't afraid to fail, that we made some crazy decisions and some things that I wouldn't have had the courage to make had I have thought we were going to succeed. Yeah. You know, the amount of money alone that we've given away. Uh, and I say we, meaning our church family, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is insane. Yeah. And if I thought we were a church, I don't know that I would have the courage to have done that. I didn't know any better. So, you know, uh, here we are 12 years later and it was probably six, uh, five years in when I finally realized I'm a pastor and this is it. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm this it. is what the Lord's yeah. called you to right? do. Yeah. You're here. Because up until that point, I, 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 so I thought either we're going to fail. Or, and then at one point I thought, okay, church is going to work out. And now I'm looking for the real pastor. Yeah. Hand it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Total, and was going to be totally fine with that. That's what, that's what Paul did. He started churches and he moved on with his life. Mm-hmm. And and it was sitting in Israel. Actually, this is going to sound like I'm making this up, but I'm not. Uh, on, the, on the little place where Peter, uh, I think it's John 20, when he jumps off the boat and swims to shore to see Jesus and and uh, that was the, you know, do you love me? You know, feed my sheep. Do you love me? And, and that last one where he finally says, Jesus, why do you keep asking me this? You know, you know, I, I just, right now, I just like you. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it was like, almost like what Jesus was saying to him was like, okay, that's like the first honest thing you've ever said to me. And that I can work with. Mm-hmm. But it was in that moment that he became Peter. He, Jesus called him Peter, but he read, especially in the synoptic gospels, when Peter's screwing up, he calls him Simon. Yeah. yeah, old name, new name. Yeah, I love it. And so Jesus knew who he was. Peter kept forgetting who he was. But there's that moment where, and Peter would have known by then. He's got, I'm going to be, you're going to be bound up. You're going to be sawn, you know, whatever, how are you, you know, going to be killed? Mm-hmm. He knew what he was signing up for. But in that moment, he, okay, I'm in, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And it was an experience with the resurrected Jesus that did that for him. And I'm sitting on that shore going, I was still telling people on planes, what do you do for a living? I'm the president of a nonprofit. <laughs> yeah. Which was technically true because I had kept the mission completely separate. Yeah. It was not even a part of the church. When we started the church, I kept that separate 501c3. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was technically the president of a nonprofit, but I never, I didn't know that I was a pastor. And for whatever reason, it was just, it was real of a Holy Spirit moment I've ever had on that shore of Sea of Galilee going, I'm a pastor, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it would have been seven. I'm so bad with time. I think seven years ago. Wow. But I was for sure. I'd been a pastor for a long time before I'd ever yeah. said yes to that. I mean, what a better way to go about it though. You've, you came into the role by doing the role of a pastor, not realizing you're a pastor where for sure so many people just seek to become a pastor. Cause I want a title. I want a name for myself. I want a church handed to me. And, you know, I think the Lord, not that that is always bad. I'm not saying that, but I think the Lord works in those ways to be like, yeah, I'm going to raise someone up humbly. And then they're going to, it's going to hit them one day. I love that you use that, the story of Peter there, like, cause as he's being forgiven, he gets asked three times, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Right. Uh, well, he denied him three times just before. Oh, wow. And you I get that, like, that. Yeah. but it's the same you thing. Like I denied, you denied. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. And then it's like, here I am. Yeah, he's yeah. sitting in front yeah. of a fire denying him. And now Jesus is cooking fire. Yeah. Front of a fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you, uh, what would you then, um, on that note, what would you attribute the growth of conduit to? Because conduit has over doubled in the last 12 months. Um, Right. Yeah, is that yeah, correct? For like more than double. We're actually, it's funny you say that because we're in the middle of a census. 
we're just trying to figure out what we're doing for next year. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're like, we're looking at last year at the same time. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I've got uh, Mo uh, Tiemann, who, I mean, the dude is a numbers guy recruited him out of the music business as well. He was a manager. Oh, okay. And, uh, and great. Uh, but he, and I knew him as to be a more, he's a detail guy. Anyway, so we're looking at these numbers going, Oh wow. We have literally actually quite literally doubled since the same time mm -hmm. last year. Something we appreciated was like early on when we're like, are we going here? Are we not? And then you guys had announced like, Hey, look, it's packed and we're not going to three services. We're, we're staying here with this where it's like the tendency is to just say, yep, add another one and another one and another one in the name of the ministry and sacrifice the health and, and well-being of your staff and burn them out. In God's mercy for me, and I, I believe it is a mercy for me that I, because of the role I had before, I knew mega church pastors in every city mm -hmm. and, and, and loved most of them. Um, and some of them kind of liked me back, <laughs> but I saw the pressure that it was. And there's a part of me that wondered, were we designed so earlier, what the expectation to be an expert on everything? Mm -hmm. I don't think we were designed for that. Mm -hmm. And so in, in this modern context, I don't know if that's what we are. If I, I can say this for what we are. I know that I am not gifted for that. Yeah. And when you see the, the rise of whether it's the podcasts or the bloggers that are, you know, the church hurt um, mm. people, the, the one theme that they have in that is that they were part of a church that was a growth at all costs. Yeah. Church. And for me, uh, I think that maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's that we can't like, it's not a sustainable it's not at all model. And I, you know, it's, there are certain guys, if I, like I, I genuinely know, like one of my good friends, a guy named Josh Howardson, who pastors Lake point church in Texas. And he's great. It's like 24,000 people. Mm. Um, so, so I, I know what's possible and I know that it's not the same thing can happen in a small church. It can happen in a large church, maybe yeah. like put it yeah. that way. church hurt can happen there or whatever. But for me, like for us to add a third service just for the sake of, adding a third service so that we can say we're a church of 2000 people now instead of a church of 1500 people or whatever. I, I just didn't feel any peace about it. Mm -hmm. And look, we're in Nashville. There are great churches everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we started when we had to start sending cars away. Um, we would, I mean, we're still doing it. If we have to turn a car away, we'll, we'll hand out a, we'll give them a gift card of like 25 bucks. And then a little card that says, we're really, really sorry. And here's the name of four churches that we just absolutely love and know that you would love them too. If, if you can't get in here and you know, please. 25 bucks. I'm going to be late to yeah. church on Sunday. Well, I shouldn't say yeah, that. Yeah. We're not doing that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a $5 gift. You pay them 25 bucks <laughs> 25, <laughs> yeah. for being late. What time do I got to be there for that? It's like good. That's like two lattes, man. 25 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Uh, half a, half a latte. Yeah. And we're not like trying to be punk rock. Right. right. I'm not, uh, we're not just raging against the machine. It just, didn't the spirit just wasn't, it wasn't we weren't feeling it, man. Yeah. We weren't like, I didn't have a, a thus saith the Lord, but I didn't have a thus saith the Lord to go for a third service. Mm -hmm. Um, so we just didn't. And like, it turns out nobody died. Like government secrets were not revealed. <laughs> like it was like, you know, it worked like it was yeah. just fine. You know, we, yeah. and then, you know, there, if you look, if you don't like sitting elbow to elbow, we may not be the church for you, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, 
just right across the street, man, Graceland. That guy, Nate loves Jesus and maybe he'd love to have you, you know, they're, they're in a growing stage over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we, yeah, we, we, it was funny you say that because we did have some people that actually left after that because you really? wouldn't go <laughs> to three, but I'll tell you who didn't leave people who had worked for a church before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we did. <laughs> yep. I would even say that that was probably one of the factors that other than, I think we both really felt that the Lord, we tried conduit, then we tried something else. And we come back to conduit. Then we tried something else. We did that four times maybe. Yeah. And every time we were at conduit, it felt like the Lord said, this is going to be home for you and just trust me in it. Yeah. Um, one thing that we have a theme that we have been seeing, which I know you've seen this too, is that believers from all over are moving to middle Tennessee yes. right now. And when you ask them why they hear, they all say, we have no idea. God yeah. just told us middle Tennessee. Yeah. So what do you think that's all about? So I've been here 27 years now which is weird. Y'all aren't quite old enough for this yet, but to be, to have a memory that is 27 years old and you were an adult when it happened Mm -hmm. is a weird thing. It's like, Oh, that's what my grandparents were. Um, But Nashville over the years has been a place where if you were into music, you came Mm -hmm. and there were some West coasters that would come, but most of them were entertainment business and they would come begrudgingly and with a sense of condescension. Mm. Um, I mean, I remember a, a guy named, oh, I almost say his name, a guy that worked for a company that I worked with. Um, I, I will say this. I was working with an artist named Plum, um, oh. Tiffany. Yeah. Right. Yes. I like her. Yeah. That candy coated water drops record. So yes. good. Oh, oh. she's so awesome. Good. And everything she's ever done. Literally. She's there's not a bad one. She literally. And I, I've honestly believe, and I only worked with her for a short stint at, at William Morris, but she, I don't think she ever got the credit that she, for, not for the quality of what she put out. Yeah. But anyway, a guy from LA who did soundtracks for uh, us, well, he was guy who did sync licensing. And back then it was a big, big deal mm-hmm. on money, money. And uh, I remember saying, uh, Darren, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You're a nice kid. You know, we work for the same company. Be nice. You're a nice kid. I'm going to be honest with you. Nobody gives a bleep about uh, Christian music out here. Like we, you know, we, we, don't, we don't care about it. So I just want to save you the time from stop bothering me. And I got to, you know, and it was about a year later, by the way, that he calls from uh, clearly from his convertible because it was like wind blowing everywhere. And uh, he used the F word as a verb, a noun, an adjective. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, it might be even in the same sentence, but he just had a brilliant vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he had found that CD somewhere in his little stack and he popped it into his car on his way home from work and it didn't realize what he had. And it was a candy coated water drops record. Oh, man. And I don't know if you remember, but that record was on. Uh, I lost track of how many soundtracks. And movies, but it was because of, uh, actually, no, it was Joel. It wasn't Keith. Anyway, um, my memory's failing me. Point is people from LA didn't like Nashville. They've looked at us with a sense of pity mm-hmm. and you're Hicksville and you haven't arrived yet. Yeah. And when people who did move out here from the entertainment business, they moved out here, uh, prepared to lecture us on, on how we could be better, you know? Right. But that's not what's happening now. I've never seen anything like this before. And, and neither have people like, uh, I don't know if you know who Don Finto is. Papa Don is what they call him here. He was a pastor at Belmont church in the seventies. It was a church of Christ. This guy gets filled with the spirit a revival. People getting baptized on music row. This church is like where Michael and Amy. And it was like the, it was the it church mm. in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, 
And he, they got kicked out of the Church of Christ, by the way. They've, yeah, I would imagine. They don't be liking no tongues in the Church yeah. of Christ. So they, uh, they kicked uh, Don out. Don is 92 years old now. Okay. Wow. And has more energy than I have. The guy is just, <laughs> they call him Papa Don now. But he's, he's kind of saying the same thing. I don't, I've never seen anything like this in all of my mm-hmm. years of being here. And, and I've, I've, so I don't have a thus saith the Lord, but I feel like that the, whatever season that the world is in right now, um, that there might be some rough waters ahead, but it's like, he's building a remnant here, not to stay here, but to send from here. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's not just musicians anymore. I mean, it's, I mean, John and uh, Lisa Bevere have moved out here. I don't even know who that is, but mm-hmm. uh, amazing. Uh, I, he, I, I know him. He doesn't know me, but uh, amazing preacher. His wife is an author, great, incredible communicator. Uh, so everybody from John Bevere um, to, well, I was going to laugh, but like Vince Neal from Motley Crue. <laughs> like he lives up in Franklin now. But um, uh, Christian's from all over for authors and um, content creators uh, influence people are here. And I feel like, so here's what I'm just going to, I'll go on record. This will be my first time in the seventies. I saw your Calvary chapel thing out of the corner of my eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. I think of this. You reminded me the sixties uh, was the sexual revolution. Okay? Mm-hmm. And throughout the sixties, that was the promise of love, and, you know, peace and, and, and they were going about it uh, from, you know, obviously free sex and drugs. And, and eventually the bills came due on that, you know, the metaphorical bills. And it didn't work. Like they were still lonely. They were still sad and they were still empty. And they just, it's like the bills came due and there was no money in the account to cover it. So you got a bunch of hippies that are like, well, I thought this was it, man. I thought. And so that revival, that awakening that started with a guy named Chuck Smith. Mm-hmm. In 19, whatever, 71, uh, a film coming out, by the way, uh, produced by Andy yeah. in our church, actually, yeah. he's one of the creators of that film, um, that that was a, a revival of where the peace and, and love, like that was what they were looking for. And they found it in Christ. Mm. We, where we are now is we're in the postmodern world. So it's not, they haven't been seeking peace and love. They've been seeking truth and justice. So the social justice warriors, the truth, uh, you know, they're actually in the same way in the sixties, they were seeking the same thing that we want, the same thing Jesus offers, which is peace and love. Mm -hmm. They were going about it in a way where it was not Christ. So they weren't going to get it. I think that the bills are coming due on the truth and justice and it's, there's no money in the account. Yeah. The society is falling apart. Yeah. The social justice warriors are eating each other alive now because we were canceling each other now. We're, and what the Lord has even convicted me about is to not refer to folks that are in that world with a sense of derision and condescension, but with peace and with, with empathy and with mercy because they want the same things I want. I want peace. I want justice. I want truth. And I just happen to be in a relationship with the guy that is the love, the way, the truth and the life. Yes. And we're never going to win anybody by insulting them into the kingdom. Um, and again, if that's what, you know, obviously not every hippie came to Jesus, right. But those, you know, those who hunger blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. Mm-hmm. 
the people in the social justice world right now are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Right. I want Donald Trump to be this. I want yeah. this politician to, to be right. And none of them will ever be because only Jesus. Yeah. And so I have this hunch that God is putting together a group of people. And I don't think it's going to be a church. I think it's going to be, I don't know if churches or I don't want to, I don't want to say parachurch. I just think it's going to movements aren't started. They're uncovered. So I think something's being uncovered here that this becomes a place now where righteousness, where truth, where love through media do this. Mm -hmm. Um, back then it was, uh, you know, his love song, uh, Chuck Gerard, who literally lives around the corner from, uh, oh, really? down here. And, <laughs> and do you guys know who Lisa Childers is? Yeah. 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 We're yeah that's her, the, her dad, right? Uh -huh. to the yeah, yeah, we're coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's her dad. We've actually yeah. wanted to have Elisa on the podcast, but we're Maybe. too small time. <laughs> really? so it literally yeah. is like a confidence issue, but we'll, we'll, we'll get we there. We'll ask about one that of these things. <laughs> yeah. Cause Elisa, I'm going to text you when I get yeah. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, it's funny. I actually, it's so funny you say it that way. Cause I was getting ready. I, it's, I haven't done it yet to message her. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm just realizing your daddy was the guy that was the peace and love guy. And he mm -hmm. was at the vanguard of that. And now here's the, his daughter who's at the vanguard of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And justice movement from a Jesus point of view, it's like, it's an incredible way to put it. Powerful yeah. thought, right. I yeah. just, it just occurred to me like two days ago. I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. But I think that that's it, because it's music is, will always be important um, for forever. But the kinds of things that we need now, the ideas that we, uh, how do I say this right? An idea, a movement of truth needs well thought out, well articulated, thoughts and in, in a world right now whose attention span is 12 seconds mm -hmm. we need a tiktok video uh -huh. <laughs> we need media being created that can sustain that can deliver truth yeah that can then be sustainable in this mm -hmm. world i mean that's why jordan peterson is like is an basically an agnostic but he's gone wickedly viral mm -hmm. because he's doing one thing which is he's trying to figure out what the truth is mm-hmm you know, if you listen to Jordan Peterson, it's, and then you go back to, um, Ecclesiastes, you're like, oh, he's just Solomon. Yeah. He's like, oh, but if, if you listen to Jordan Peterson, he says, figuring it out out loud. Yeah. yeah. And he'll say, I was thinking, and then I got to thinking about this and then I got to thinking <laughs> and you read Ecclesiastes and he talks about it. You know, I was yeah. thinking about this. And then I thought about that. And then I thought this, and then I, and at the end of Ecclesiastes, I said, I finally figured it out. <laughs> it comes down to right. Like obeying God and, and yeah. keeping his word. Like it's keeping his commandments. It's like, Loving God and keeping his commandments. It all comes down to that <laughs> at the end of Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody should just paraphrase Ecclesiastes and put it out as a book under Jordan Peterson's name. Just, right. to, just to troll. Just to troll. <laughs> <laughs> but I wonder if that's why God is bringing people together here. Media creators. Like we're getting ready to send uh, uh, Eric, our missions pastor to Asia where we're setting brick killing slaves free with a, mm -hmm. uh, with a documentarian camera and yeah because that story that needs to be told man. right yeah and could we write a song about it 100 yeah. could i write a book about it 100 percent. yeah but to see it to, to see it if it's not coming through a device right now literally we have a we have a pipeline to the devices of mm -hmm. the entire world in, in our hands and so you know you sound like i'm blowing sunlight up your dress but i'm not like the, this kind of stuff is important. Like, I feel like we're at the, the birth of something that if Jesus should tarry and not yeah. return in the next 30 years, yeah. that we'll look to this era yeah. and this city in the ways that people look to Costa Mesa mm -hmm. 
in Southern California yeah. in 1970. Yeah, I agreed. I, it's funny because if you go back and you listen to Chuck, even, you know, a few years before he passed away, he's still preaching and everything. And <clears throat> there's nothing about him that's like, oh, what a dynamic speaker compared to anyone you'd see today. 100%. But he would go through the Bible verse by verse and he was just faithful to the word. And that's what he had. And the Lord was faithful to use that and yeah. to grow it. And I mean, I feel that way with this. It's like, what's your podcast about? Oh, you know, how the gospel's for all of life. Oh, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> you know, people, it's like, yeah, I know. It's kind of boring, isn't it? Uh, but I'm like, that's what I have. Like, that's the message we have is Christ. And we want to bring that to people and we want to see them change and transform. And we'll mess up along the way. We'll, we'll do our best and and just keep on pressing on. But yeah. You know, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right that we have hit this era of we need to have the truth given to people. I, I as you were sharing that, I was thinking of, I think it's in Joshua when he's once again presenting to the people like, hey, this is what the Lord has asked you to do. And then they're like, we swear we'll do it. And he basically gives them the law and they're like, we, we want the law. Give us the law. And he's like, okay, you've got it. And then he has a whole section where it's like, and now once you fail, not if you fail, but when you fail in those things, here are the consequences that'll happen. And I think what you were saying is like, you have this social justice movement, this justice movement, we want justice. And, but you don't like, you really don't. Cause when you, it, what is at the heart of that is a failure to realize how broken we all are right. and how if you want justice for them you better be ready for justice for yourself yes and we should be crushed under that just like we should be crushed under yep. the law and brought back into grace and be like jesus we just need you we yep. just need peace we need hope we need love we need that to transform us and we need your spirit yeah because the justice that that i want right if i get it i'm dead yeah but the gospel, which again, bring it back to Jesus, was God's justice, just not on me. Yeah. Um, it was Jesus being canceled without canceling me. Yeah. Like my sin is canceled, but I wasn't because of Christ. Yeah. So, the, which is which is why the social justice move is is eating itself because how do you know when to give justice and how do you know when to give? Yeah. Mercy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, justice. Well, I need that. They need to apologize. Yeah. And I need to. And then it's just that apologize. chimera eating its tail. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's, I, I'm apologized, but it wasn't a good enough apology. And so we got to, you know, it's literally, it's Hester Prynne, you know, the, the scarlet letter, it's mm -hmm. the Pharisees, it's we, you know, burned at the stake, but we have, we don't have pitchforks and torches. We've got, you know, screens and, yeah. and keyboards. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the truth is, is that, yeah, they, they did say something bad. They should you know, yeah. they, they, they need justice. And so did you. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, where it falls apart. Because if, if I don't see myself as someone in need of yeah. justice, yeah. then I can easily categorize someone else yeah. and that group of people. Yeah. But again, that's not working. So if you come back to the gospel, you know, I, I think it's the Tim Keller line that the gospel is that I am so, uh, so wicked that nothing short of the death of the son of God could save me mm -hmm. and so loved that he did it gladly. Yeah. Like that's, that's the only self view of yourself that could hold up to the reality of a whole life. Yeah. Anything else means I got to put my head in the sand for something. I got to ignore this part. It's so it's a false hope yep. because I'm ignoring a reality with it. Jesus. The reality is it is why it's for all of your life, not just on Sunday. Yeah. 
Well, Darren, thank you so much for joining us today, being on the show. We really appreciate it. Me, man. I, keep, yeah. I keep forgetting we're on camera. I know. Yeah. I hey. should have shaved or something. Yeah. I, don't yeah. I, I, I almost sorted it, but didn't. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, thanks. We even went into extra innings on this a little bit, I think. And, and I hope that's okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm having a great time. That's more content, more content, more gospel. That's what I say. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, but uh, yeah, until next time, guys. Thank. Oh wait, sorry. Point out because we didn't get to talk about Darren's book, but Darren, oh. can you briefly tell us the title of your book, what it's about, and where people can find it if they want to hear yeah. more about what you have to say? Yeah, that was uh, my pandemic project. I was, <laughs> uh, I was so mad at what was happening in our world that I was like, okay, I'm doubling down on everything. So we yeah. were feeding more uh, children, you know, freeing more slaves. But the the book's called The Power of the Seven. And it was honestly a 15 year journey mm. of, of Romans 12, the seven spiritual gifts of Romans 12. Mm-hmm. And the premise is that those seven gifts are uh, almost like, almost like a personality profile in scripture. And, they're different than first Corinthians 12 gifts. They're different than Ephesians four. Uh, but everybody has one of, I was born with one. You were born with one as like we were born with it. The Holy spirit downloaded into us. And, and the, the, the beauty of it is, is I'm only one. I'm one, one of seven. Yeah. Number, number of perfection. Right. So it's called yeah. the power of the seven. It just means that I need, you and you need me and we all, we need each other yeah. in the church. Jesus, we need the church. Yeah. We need each other in it. And if we all stay in our lanes with those gifts, um, amazing things happen. So yeah, it was, it was the power of the seven. I, I unload what those each gift is. And I, I share a story of each one of a person that I know that, that has that gift and how it then works together with the other gifts. And, uh, and we've staffed our whole church according to that. That's like, so when I say it's a 15 year experiment. It was me finally putting on paper what I'd been doing behind closed doors. Yeah. I wasn't hundred percent sure if it was theologically accurate at first. I was like, I think this is it. Uh, but I, a theologian friend of mine, I was like, okay, I've never heard this before, but let me go back and we'll anyway, came, came back and, uh, gave me a seal of approval on it. So nice. yeah. Yeah. Great. I'm not a heretic. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> but yeah, it was, if, if anything, it was like, I was so glad cause it's Romans 12, right. Which is offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing right? Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will know his will for your life is mm-hmm. perfect, pleasing will. And then the very next thing are these seven gifts. And that gift is his will for your life. Yeah. Your, your processing and thinking and information mm-hmm. is a gift that he gave you yeah. to use in yeah. your life. It's, it's funny. Cause I think we always think, well, what's God's will? Like it, it's where I should live. It's where like, yeah, those are obviously in there, but it's really, it's like really your, his will is like your righteousness, your sanctification, being transformed, using the gifts he's given you to his glory. Like wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, yeah. you need to be, that's, that's how you're in his will. Yeah. Well, that actually sums up the book better than I could have. Cause that's yeah, like, a, yeah, I'm going to write another one. Will isn't a what and more than a who. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if I swing a hammer, I swing it to his glory. You know, if I preach, I preach to his glory. Yeah. Uh, but the will is about who he's, uh, who he's created me to be and who he is uh, changing me into, right? Uh, transforming. Right. Yeah. To it. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing a book over COVID for his glory. I gained 40 pounds over COVID for his glory. Well, see, I gained 28. I was, I was eating my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> who wasn't at that time? I was really angry. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to hear more from Darren, he has a great Instagram page. You can follow him at Darren Tyler, correct? Yeah. 
and um, you can check out Conduit Church as well. And um, come early because, uh, or come late, you might get, get a free uh, gift card. card. Yeah, make sure Jim's stocked up on those. Darren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you guys. It was super, super yeah. fun. Really appreciate it.